Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up guys, this is Essie Clark. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's up WNBA Nation? Welcome to another episode where I, Kyle Haywood, will be joined by my good friend, Steve Schwartzman. How's it going, Steve? Oh, good late morning to you. <laughs> I always love a recording where, where it's light outside and opening my basement window doesn't help circulate any air because <laughs> it's mid-June. It's yeah, it's it's getting to that point. Um, I've got uh, I've got an AC vent that's right below my feet, and so in order to keep the room cool, my feet absolutely get freezing during this. So, yep. but that's that's just how how it goes at these at this point in the year. Um, want to give a shout out to our Twitch family hanging out with us today on this late morning, early afternoon stream. Um, we've got several uh, first timers. Uh, so shout out to each of you who are hanging out with us here today. And, uh, we're excited. We've got a lot to talk about today, Steve. But before we hit all of that, why don't you let everybody listening know the best ways that they can interact with us and consume content or buy merch, whatever it is. Go ahead and give us the rundown here. Absolutely. You got it. So as you know, anyone who's taken a college course, you need a syllabus and your syllabus for this show is WNBANation.com. Uh, be sure to bookmark, save whatever it is, our website that'll link you to all of our social channels, anywhere that you can take in our content. Of course, follow us over on Twitter at WNBANationPod. Likewise, over at Facebook, uh, you can listen to us anywhere your podcast can be found. We would definitely encourage a five-star review and comment any platforms that have a, a comment based or a, a rating based structure, namely Apple podcasts. Of course um, you can check us out live on the Twitch as we are right now. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash WNBA nation and uh, have a good live discussion. Be a part of the chat. It's always an absolute fun time. Uh, and if you want to enjoy the league while enjoying our I was about to say sultry voices. That's way too much, but uh, <laughs> definitely uh, stay tuned in. We have regular watch parties on playback, a great opportunity to watch the game together. It's a great platform that allows us to watch games together in real time without fear of 
lag without fear of spoilers just a really good discussion we've had a lot of fun great chance for fans of the show to actually be a part of the discussion themselves we can bring you on the stage and have a chat we had uh um el rosenberg one of our uh, favorite friends of the show was a part of the, our discussion at our last playback. We have another one coming up this week that I know Kyle will give the lowdown for. If you're looking for a little extra swag, it's summertime. You need, you need some good W stuff. Wow. This was going really well. And then it derailed <laughs> fast, but if you need some good digs, uh, Head over to our Teespring page, which we have linked at, at WMANation.com. And then, of course, through the Twitter, uh, we've got some really good stuff in the pipeline. I know Jason's always thinking through design ideas, so there's going to be more on the incoming. And that's the main gist of it. A lot of stuff heading out there. But, yeah, head head over to the website. Uh, stay linked in on, on Twitter. Well, stay connected on Twitter. We don't have a LinkedIn page. Well, think about that. My that brain tells would, me maybe be, not. That would, that would be an interesting I, social feature. I don't know. I don't know how much help that would really be. Last social that I didn't call out. Thank you for saying social. Uh, also, uh, stay connected with us over at TikTok. Uh, we'll, we're always putting together some good bite-sized material to take in the show. We've had some fun doing that as well. So lots of stuff to stay connected with. Well, all in doubt, head over to WMBNation.com and be in the know. Absolutely. On the merch side of things, I got to give a, a shout out Teespring. We switched over there uh, just a few months ago, basically around the time of the final four. And we have ordered several pieces of merch because we like to test it ourselves before we recommend it to you. Um, previously, if you have some of our merch from before, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't quite the quality that we were looking for. I got to say the stuff that I have picked up, I've got several t-shirts, I've got hoodies. I picked up, there's a mug that I'm drinking from right now currently. Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it's you. water. It's just thank, water. <laughs> thank you for the audio. Yeah. Thank you for making it audio friendly. I picked mm, up a, I, love it. I picked up a poster that I've got hanging up here and even a backpack that I'm excited mm-hmm. for, uh, to take on some of our trips. So, yeah, um, a lot of fun. As you say, I've got some really good digs. I've got this. I think we all have the same poster at this point because it oh, was too good. Not too. so good. Um, this might seem simple to some people, but a lot of people are really into this. Some of the best cling stickers that I've ever had, uh, really good printed stuff, easy to place. Don't have to deal with bubbles putting yes. on a new sticker, which has been really nice. So the vinyl stickers are fantastic. I got me a pair of slides with our logo on them and they're fantastic. So yeah. if you're looking for some extra easy footwear getting around the house, try that out as well. So lots of uh, cool, interesting stuff. They're always uh, adding to their inventory as well. So we may have some new things coming up and, and out. And as always, we're thinking of new design ideas and stuff that we can make happen. So stay clicked. I, I, I've really enjoyed the, that experience. They've been, it's been a good one and Oh, for sure. I, yeah. Good. Good. Uh, yeah. Um, real quick for everybody who has hopped on with us on playback and for the vast majority of you listeners who have not, you need to check this out. It's such a great platform. Getplayback.com and, uh, you can f- find our room there, just WNBA Nation. It's such a fun platform. And this Wednesday, which should be likely today that you are listening to this. So Wednesday, the 29th at 10 PM Eastern, we are going to be doing a watch party on there, uh, for the Indiana Fever Phoenix Mercury game. And that's on NBA TV. So if you've got league pass or you've got 
Direct TV or YouTube TV or Xfinity, any of those, um, and, and you want to come and check out the game with us, basically all you have to do is go to getplayback.com, find our uh, find our room there. It's just WNBA Nation, and you can hop in. And what's really cool about this is a lot of times with our watch parties, there would be like um, not glitches, but there would be like differences in time and when I was viewing it versus when Steve would view it versus when our mm-hmm. our listener base would view it because there's a slight delay on Twitch. So we would react, you know, 10 seconds after most of the people watching along with us um, were seeing the news. And even, you know, Steve might be five seconds ahead of me or behind me as we were reacting as hosts, and that was really annoying. So Get Playback has kind of solved that. There is a... It's you're just watching it all together. And then there is a chat (laughs) feature just like there is here on Twitch and also a stage, which is a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. Basically anybody with a a microphone can join the stage. Um, If you've got a camera as well, you can actually be on camera and basically hop up and come up and, and, talk with us as if we're virtually at like, it's like a virtual sports bar. It's super fun. No, I can't, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. It's the ability they've had to replicate the experience of meeting up at someone's place and watching the game and just kicking back, talking, having a good time and watching basketball. It's really, really, that's, that's really added to it. It's made it a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, the playback allows you to essentially uh, sync your subscription models whatever streaming subscriptions you have over to the account. So you can actually watch the game. Uh, everything is unified, like uh, Kyle said. So the timeline's all the same. Everyone's reacting to the same thing at the same time. And since it's linked to subscriptions, it will still factor your like individual viewership to a game. So if watching it on a stream like, like playback makes you nervous, because, for instance, you feel like, that, you know, 50 people were watching it, then that's 49 less views showing people watching the game. It does, it will still factor those it viewers does. based on that. So it allows, so that's ease of use. That's one of the biggest concerns we had coming into using this. And, um, so it, it's good to rest easy to know that like your, your voice is still heard in getting viewership of your games, but it's just a great format to kind of enjoy yourself. Some people, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's not, but some people, you know, it's basketball commentary may not be your favorite thing in the world. Um, and uh, I mean, there are great broadcast teams across the league, but so it's, it's a nice alternative to kick back and enjoy the game. We'll try to get a link in our, uh, episode description here. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll try and try and do something like that. We'll tweet out. We always tweet out the link prior to the game. So if you're looking for it and you're like, Oh, what was that website again? Just hop on our Twitter and you'll be able to find it there as well. Um, Steve, let's talk some basketball. I think the big news that uh, I want to hit first is that we have, and this is a, a few days old, but we've got all-star starters actually yes. selected um, as well as co-captains for the 2022 yeah. all-star game in Chicago. By the by, the time you're hearing this at home, it, you, they're probably going to be also reserves, but yes. <laughs> at the time of recording this, it's, it's starters only. 
And hopefully by the time we record the next episode, we might even have an idea of like, if there are people opting out of the game or injured and replacements, we might have some updates to those rosters. Yeah. But yeah, uh, this year, the, uh, you know, one of the main differentials is we have a captain and co-captain structure. So there's four designated captains, two of them. I would assume that the, the main co-captains uh, are based off of, of course, the fan boat, which is typical. Uh, but, Sylvia Fowles and Subert also joined the fray in captainship, um, and they've paired captains. So, uh, Stu, you know, Brianna Stewart and Sylvia Fowles will be linked. Asia Wilson and Subert will be linked. So they'll work together and draft in the team, you know, getting together with the squad. Um, I'm curious, um, if they'll like what they'll do as far as like nomenclature for teams, if they're going to do like a, do they honor, Sill and Sue, do they put, do, yeah. do they do like a Brangelina type thing where they mix names? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, Team Fowley and Team Wilbird. I don't know. I, that, those were bad. Those were really bad. Um, so Fowley team, and Wilbird. I, I, if they yeah. don't do that, I'm going to be disappointed now. <laughs> you could sort of, sort of with Asia and Sue do Team Susan, which I think oh, works there you go. in a way. <laughs> um, sort of, uh, these are horrible ideas. No one do those, but he's asking for this. <laughs> um, I'm intrigued by that, but I thought that was definitely a nice touch. Um, like as a whole. Yes. And then from there, I mean, that leads to a, a fringe thought that I had that we can say for the end of this discussion. But, um, what really popped out more to me was who the starters were. This was an, this is an interesting grouping. I was really intrigued by, how the votes turned out and who we're going to be seeing at the front of the page. Um, a yeah. lot of exciting teams, a lot of exciting players. Three of the 10 are from a single squad. And, and three of the 10, yeah. it's their first all-star selection period. So, mm-hmm. so out of the fan votes, who's getting the start? Yeah. Three first time all-star selections as starters, which Yes. I think says a lot about each of these three players and where they've come, uh, this season. I think, I think there's, there's some big time stuff there. So let's run through those starters real quick. Uh, as Steve mentioned, you've got Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles. You also have Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson. Um, Sue Bird with her 13th all-star selection, Fowles with her eighth. Um, Brie, uh, Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, each with four apiece. The rest of the starters are as follows. Sabrina Ionescu from the New York Liberty with, uh, her first all-star appearance. John Quell Jones from the Connecticut Sun, fourth all-star appearance. Neko Gumake from the LA Sparks, seventh all-star appearance there. Candace Parker with Sh- Chicago Sky, seventh appearance as well. Kelsey Plum out of Las Vegas, her first all-star selection. And Jackie Young, also from Las Vegas, her first all-star selection. Um, that says a lot about the backcourt situation in Las Vegas, <laughs> having two, two, their, both of their guards each making their first all-star appearance, um, as starters, Steve, that, that really stood out to me. So Steve, any, uh, any initial thoughts as you, as you saw who the starters were for this coming up, uh, this, this upcoming all-star game. I was an extremely loud proponent of Kelsey Plum because I thought she was playing beyond just she's putting in good minutes and playing surprisingly well. I think she's one of the best guards in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to it. I mean, for up, up to last week, she was leading the league in scoring. I don't know where the, 
game on stats sit today, mm-hmm. but she's, she's second, second now behind right, Stewie. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, obviously she's been very exciting. Her confidence has been up. She's been a huge impetus to the success that they've had. Um, I don't want to say Jackie Young surprised me. I really thought she'd make the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, for her to be a starter is pretty cool because uh, what Vegas is putting together right now, and we, you've got to keep in mind, this is a team with a head coaching change, uh, a pretty sizable one. Granted, they picked up a probably as valued of a prospect for a coaching hire as you could find, but at the same time, losing who is supposed to be one of their big two, one of their star bigs to another team and somehow that subtraction has made this team better. And what Plum and Jackie have put in play is exactly why that's happening. And so I feel like when we look at this, the starter setup, it's simply indicative to uh, the level of team basketball that's going on in Vegas right now. You yeah. kind of, kind of, if you take one, you have to take all three in a way. Yeah. And that's, what's really interesting. Um is is just that whole that whole Las Vegas squad being so dominant early on in the season I think was a big part and I I, I agree with you I think that it, I've been paying attention to Jackie Young especially this season she's on my fantasy team so of course I'm I'm super stoked that she you know is doing really well um based on where her expectations were for the start of the season and where she's performing now that being said I thought that she was for sure an all-star like on the roster, but yeah. uh, surprised isn't the right word. I'm not surprised she's a starter, but there are a couple names that I thought would probably get in before her as far as my own mm-hmm. personal. The rest of these all pretty well make sense. I don't think there's any other, uh, there's none of these surprises. And again, Jackie Yang's not a surprise. She's absolutely tearing it up. Um, she's playing fantastic, mm-hmm. but I was, I will say this. I was surprised that there was no Skylar Diggins Smith on the end. No Skylar Diggins Smith. Um, and yeah. you got to keep in mind when it comes to starters, the added discussion isn't just their performance, but also you generally get an idea of certain people who get bumped up based on fan vote. Right. Yes. So one name I'll call out that made this roster. And I want to make it clear. This is not me delineating the performance of this individual. Cause that would be ridiculous. Uh, because they're top seven in scoring and one of the best rebounders in the league. The fact that their team is in relative contention is pretty well because of them. Neko Gumake making this almost yeah. felt like, uh, just kind of a natural vote. Like, a, a lot of, like, her, you know, her, her name, her prowess and her ability kind of naturally got her into that discussion and put her in the starter position. And it's not to say she doesn't deserve it. Right. But it's interesting. When you think of fan vote compared to based on the fact that Rika Gumbawale is third in points and it, you know, is generally an extremely popular player. I really expected Rika to make the starting roster. I thought Sky she did was, definitely had a shot. She and was all-star I think, game MVP. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Reigning all-star game MVP. So it's, so that was really intriguing to me to, to see, like, I thought that was going to bump in. And it's really intriguing where I feel like, uh, you know, Neck is the one that just stands out as I look at the roster, but it's not, again, that's not me being over hypercritical. Sure. I was intrigued to see those names pop in, but before Arike did. And I think a lot of it too is that, you know, there's backcourt, frontcourt voting structures. So for instance, if you're an Aces fan, you knew what your backcourt votes were. Like there was no question. <laughs> um, and so it, I think that added to it, but, um, 
obviously, I think any names we bring up for starters will probably end up on the reserve team. So I don't think we're sure. spoiling anything. I think absolutely the 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 two names in terms of starters left that I had thought through that I went, huh, that's interesting. I just kind of turned my head a little and thought maybe not. Well, actually, kind of three when I think about it. Because I think, for instance, and maybe there's some people just saying there's like you, they're gonna call me out on what I just said about players getting in on name recognition alone. But I mean, Dana Tarasi's not on this starting spread, which is intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, alone, which is one. I think Jewel Lloyd had a legitimate shot based on how she's playing. Right. Um, the opposite of the experience I just described: name recognition for a player. Someone whose team recognition didn't help them, and it's a shame, is Kelsey Mitchell. Yes, Kelsey Mitchell is playing yeah. such good basketball with a brand new slate of players and is still going out and performing game after game. Yep. I feel like Kelsey Mitchell, all-star-wise, has been really just hindered because of... Yep. Because just a lot of people aren't paying attention to the Indiana fever and haven't for years. And that, yeah. I think that alone is going to hinder the amount of recognition and accolades that she yeah. will receive over the course of her career, which is this really is a team that got, this is a team that got blinked entirely from all star weekend last year. Granted, a part of that is because half of the roster was TBUSA, but no, no Indiana player made a, a, all-star roster. And I'm not refuting that it was a bad year for Indiana, obviously, but they didn't even find a way to sneak a player into the three point contest, into the skills challenge. They did. There really wasn't any like way to incorporate players into like anything, any part of that. And I think Kelsey's put in a case. I think you could argue Nilissa Smith has a shot at that as well. Um, and so I, I hope Indiana fights their way to the roster one way or the other. I, I just, I, I like the imagine. idea. Some people, some people don't like it because they think it waters down the talent pool of an all-star team. I like every team being represented as a yeah. rule. I generally appreciate having a representative from one. every team. Yeah. It just makes sense to me. You're Which, set, what the all-star game should be a fun celebration of the league. You should have at least someone in every uniform. Indiana doled out. Fantastic uniforms, some of the best in the league, in my opinion, haven't had a chance to show them off an all-star weekend. So it's like, it, that's that kind of the idea of it. And I think this year we have high potential for that to seemingly happen. And also I'll just say it right out the shoot right now. If you gave Destiny Henderson more quality minutes, she would have potentially been a starter. I, I think if <laughs> she, if she had just enough of a bump in stats, she would be that popular, but here's where Kelsey Mitchell and I have to assume, and I, that actually terrifies me because within just a couple hours from when we're recording this, the reserves will be announced. And as you are listening to this, uh, all of you will know if this is the case. I have to imagine that Kelsey Mitchell is going to make that reserves roster because she's, again, what is it, third in the league in scoring right now? Fourth in the league. I think league. she's currently fourth, but fourth she was in the third, league yeah. In scoring. Um, but not just that, she's having career highs in points per game, assists per game, free throw percentage, three point percentage, and there was one other one, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, blocks per game. But like, She's, she is averaging 19.2 points per game, shooting 40% from the three point line and 91% from the free throw line. Like she's 
absolutely tearing it up. It's not just all volume. The percentages are there as well. She's having an absolutely just best, best season of her career so far. And I think she is borderline starter, uh, all-star starter in the last several seasons. She's been, I think right there and didn't even get an invite, an invite, uh, to the game in several of these situations. And so I, I do want to give some shout out there. Now, Steve, I, I, one other last question that I have here, you may have some other topics here. One last question that I have in regards to mm-hmm. all-stars. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know there's a lot of varying view on this. Do you think how, well, I'll say this because I, I, I think that there's always a little bit of this. How heavy do you weigh team performance when considering your all-star Selections like, for example, we see the aces with three picks. Seattle's got two picks on here. Um, do you, how heavy do you weigh like a team's success when it comes to selecting all star, uh, all star rosters? Often not terribly highly because mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I think the success of a team creates natural scenarios that add or detract a, a player's value. So for instance, the aces are far and away right now, the best team in the league. So it kind of makes sense that three players sneak into the, the starting rosters, right? Like that, that makes it, that just kind of happens in any sport you watch, you know, like if you, if you are putting your head into who's going to make the major league baseball, all start, there's going to be a lot of Yankees this year. They're very good. It's stupid, right. but they are. And that's just going to happen because that's natural. Like when you're good, you get a lot of extra buzz and people want to vote in your players. And it's kind of the opposite effect when you're not doing well. And it also, I think creates a natural inclination of like, well, yeah, here's where it comes down to when it comes to like teams playing that, like your team's not playing well, but you're putting in good numbers is we mix how we want to qualify all-stars with how we tend to qualify MVP awards. Like Mm. it's kind of, we kind of hold that same prowess in terms of, well, if she was really playing at an all-star level, she'd be helping her team win. I get that to point. Like I understand like the idea of that. I think what makes winners all-stars is the fact that it's like, they tend to have highlights and they tend to have things that give it buzz. The all-star game should first and foremost, and there are people who may disagree with what I'm about to say. That's fine. First and foremost should be fun. That's, that's a one on the list of what it's supposed to be. It should be fun. It should be kind of a sideshow. That's completely fine to me. And with that, you want to put the most intriguing players on the court to make it fun. You know, when you look at players like Arike Gumbawale, whose team was mid-level at best, ends up winning uh, the the All-Star MVP. Erica Wheeler, who yes. was on this same Indiana team, was putting in a good year on a bad Indiana team, shows up, wins All-Star the All-Star MVP. MVP. Yep. So I think, like, for me, it just kind of comes down to really nothing at all. Like, it, like it's... I, if they've been playing extremely well, if they've been generating buzz, if their story really matches the theme, I'm, I'm not terribly worried 
about how good that team is. Because, for instance, it's going to happen naturally with the Aces because when you think about it, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, you also have Chelsea Gray and Derek Hamby. The Aces are an all-star team right they now. They really are. All five of those like, players have They're going to get on the all-star, all-star roster yeah. because they are an all-star team in a way. So teams that are playing a little less poorly don't have that same feeling and that same equation. So I like the idea of boosting some of those players up. Um and just adds that. So yeah, I, for me, it doesn't factor as heavily, um, as, as maybe to others, uh, because there's so many other accolades across the league that that metric stands for. Right. No, I like that. Uh, any other thoughts on, on all-star before we, before we head out to the next, I, uh, to our I, next topic? I, I just have to say, I like the, the co-captain structure. I think this year it's very much a nod to Sylvia and Sue Bird. Absolutely. If it be in their last year. And so I think that's a cool nod. I, I will say in general, I sort of like it, but maybe a little too much than some might because one, I like the idea of having co-captains who can sort of, you know, it's not one player getting the captain's attention, you know, getting the captaincy attention. It's kind of fun seeing two players have to sort of hash it out. I don't know. You know, right. There are uh, ways and metrics you can make that fun. The other reason is because I feel like every time the all-star game comes up, I think of like five new weird ways to make it more interesting <laughs> instead of just a, a a game that kind of gets a little boring by the end of the day. Um, I like the four system because my new submission for an all-star game is as opposed to having your traditional five on five team. Let's have four captains in a three on three tournament. Ooh, that is that'd be kind of fun. Legitimately. I don't know if they still do it for a handful of years. Legitimately what the NHL was doing. They had division all-stars. So they had four divisions and they did three on three hockey and it rules. It's really fun. <laughs> that would actually be and they a lot did of fun, yeah. a classic turn. They just did like you did a semi structure three on three, and then you did a like a final with your three on three teams. And I think that would make it interesting, fun, and a way to kind of highlight things. Now, um, I understand some players may not be comfortable in that format because if you're not a three on three style player, it might, it might like be there's awkward. risk for injury. Right. There's things like that, but also. I just think people will have fun. Like I, I want to make it fun. And I think that's a cool way to make it fun. And then like additionally highlight your players and get a chance to really let these all stars shine. So that's my new weird idea is like, now that I saw four (laughs) captains, I went, why don't we just have four all-star teams? And then we do a kind of a truncated version and then turn it into kind of like a fun all-star tournament that itself becomes its own specialty. There's just a lot of ways to make all-star experiences more fun. And I wish leagues did better to make them fun. And my opinion is you make them as little like a traditional basketball game as possible to make that weekend fun. But that's me. You know, I, I already got, I already uh, got shot down for let's just make it a food fight idea. I thought, (laughs) why not just a classic cafeteria style food fight? We'd all be in, but it's not going to happen. So we've got, uh, again, I, I want to give a, sh- a shout out to the league for having Sue and Sylvia as the co-captains, kind of a nod to these two retiring. Um, I think it's fantastic. I, I got, our, our next topic is going to be heavily about Sylvia Fowles and excitement about her. And I, I'm, I'm, I absolutely can't wait for, you know, kind of what we're going to be able to see from her for the rest of the season. That being said, I feel as though the league has 
really dropped the ball in some really awesome marketing opportunities when it comes to Sylvia Fowles. Does that make sense? Well, they're not, you, you're, you, I think you're about to hit on a story or like a, a thought of mine that I, I have in a different way, but I, I think you're heading in that direction. So yeah, I think I get what you're saying. So I understand the, obviously this is, we're in, I'm not taking anything away from Sue Bird at all. We actually, our last episode was pretty much all about her making it official that this is her last season. I've got a signed Sue Bird jersey that I'm literally touching right now. It's within arm's reach of me. I'm huge on that. That being said, Sylvia Fowles has brought so much to this league, uh, you know, over the last 14 or whatever years that she's been in the league. And she had her last visit to Chicago in an away game her last time playing uh, against this guy in Chicago just recently. And nobody knew like there was no, like there was no tweet about it. There was nothing until the Chicago sky themselves were like, Hey, like what they did is they brought out, uh, they gave her a gift. They gave her a a framed, you know, Jersey of her, uh, a sky Jersey of hers that they framed and gave to her. And then there was a, a recliner, uh, out in the middle of the, of the court. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, Hey, here, you know, here's your retirement gift kind of a thing. She sits in it and there yeah. was some fun with it, but that had to come from the sky. There was nothing from the league. There was yeah. nothing from anybody else hyping this up. And I just feel like that's a missed opportunity to get people excited about a really cool storyline in the league that is a little bit being forgotten. And I just have to get that off my chest. Yeah. I watched, obviously watched that game, especially the end. I mean, it was a great yeah. ending of a game, you know, Vander Sloot, you know, buzzer beater over Sylvia Fowles. Yeah. And, and that was a cool moment. It was exciting. I talked on playback last night about how my, you know, my, my wife and my son are sick. So the only person I had in the room was my one year old daughter <laughs> who I started talking through what a great play that was. But as that pandemonium is happening, I watch a post game clip of Candace Parker running up to Syl, giving her a big hug, finding a place to pose for a picture. And it hit me. This wasn't just Syl's last game in Chicago. This was Syl and Candace's last matchup, potentially. Assuming that Minnesota aren't making the playoffs because they aren't. I think. Oh, I. I oh, no, no, no. You're they, right. They, they have one they more have a, in Minnesota. They have they a game one in more in Minnesota. Okay. But yeah, but that's. But, but still, it's the last one in yeah, Chicago. Okay. You, you should true. be hyping this up. You should be hyping. This is a but rivalry city, that goes back to their yeah. like high school days. So, so I'm incorrect to, uh, in, in that setting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they match up. It's the double the your last game in your former city, who you left on rough terms with. Finally, a chance to to go to give you like a positive moment, and you're facing a team of your former city who also is like housing your longest standing rival. That storyline should really be something, and this ties to a bigger discussion. I want to open up in just a second, but um. Like all of that itself is this really nice storyline. On top of that, there's like five different things, stories you could be telling that, that like you shouldn't just hear as a side comment on commentary or from a tweet. This should have been like, yeah, like you said, a big time. As soon as it was, she was made available for that game. I think we could have really pushed the narrative here on a lot of these things. But for instance, um, an experience that happened in the MNBA that I think is, is similar to this. When Vince Carter left the Toronto Raptors, 
he left with about as much vitriol as you might see of a player leaving a team they played right. with for a long time. Sure. If you go back in history, that was a really rough relationship. For years, any team he played for, he went to Toronto, booed mercilessly. Uh, they just could not handle him. And I know that he played a role in that. Fans played a role in that. Everyone played a role in that. As it got to the point where it was pretty well understood it, he was going to be done, I don't think it was technically his last year, but one of his last years, uh, wherever he was at the time, he, they had a routine game in Toronto. And without him knowing, the Toronto Raptors made the decision because they knew, like, like, oh, booze, this, that, or the other. They put together a video package and said, we wanted to take a moment just to thank Vince Carter for everything he did for the organization. Um, as screws winding down, we just want to honor really nice video package. And if, and I've, I've seen clips of like, it starts with this kind of, there's still some booze. There's still some upset by the end of it. It's a standing ovation. People have tears in their eyes. Vince Carter has tears in his eyes and this city gets a chance to, resound his thing. The, right. You fast forward to the Raptors winning the championship in 2019. And a lot of tweets I remember seeing that night were like, I wish we could have done this for Vince. Like he, like, like say what you want about the players in the court, but like, he's as much a part of this. Cause he helped build like, and, and Sylvia sort of got that on uh, last week because Sylvia was, one of the more controversial roster changes the league's ever had with the holdout and moving from Chicago to the links. And that led to this long trail where I think sky fans felt like they were just destined for like roster heartbreak. Cause then it dealt right. on left after on. Just yeah. kind of felt like that was who they like, what they were destined to be until Candace Parker happened. And yes. this situation, like that whole storyline, everything that dwindles down to that, to see a Chicago crowd, be able to give her a warm reception and say, look, like, thank you for a great career. Your longest standing rival who had just dogfights on the court between Tennessee and LSU is playing for that team is standing there, you know, tr- having a warm moment with you. Th- they could have done a lot more. I totally agree with you. And it, and it ties to a question. I want to bounce your way unless you have an additional comment, but this actually was a Twitter discussion that someone recently posited that I've thought a lot about. Um, and it's interesting because it incorporates both of the retiring players that we have incorporated in this all-star game. And that's that when we talk about great rivalries or just great pairings, like this player, this player, like the duos, like Subert and Danny Taurasi will always be linked. And that will always be the story. And those will always be the two that tend to get that type of story. Like right. it's, it's that friendly rivalry, but it's always those two at each other. And I remember seeing this discussion and some people got really upset about the question, but I think it stands firm. Like why is the energy and the effort and the time and the actual creativity as far as marketing and how the media portrays it that is put into the Sue DT rivalry discussion. How is that same energy not given to Candace Parker and Sylvia Fells? Thank you. Thank you. Who? Played as, as conference rivals in final fours in college, then transitioned to join professional teams that became bitter rivals on the court in the finals. They had, I mean, the, the whole story of that whole setup, it's as close to, and I'm sorry, it's my second MNBA comparison, but for goodness sake, it's Magic Bird. They had the college matchup. They transitioned it straight into a pro matchup. They have been inextricably linked their entire career 
uh, you know, people who always kind of put them in that same footing. What's one doing? What's the other doing? And it leads to now, like to where the story is here. It, uh, what is it in your mind that has sort of, why is it that we seem to so naturally have this pedestal for Sue DT, which is warranted? Sure. Absolutely warranted. Uh, how we're is that not saying not, there's anything wrong with what you're doing. How is that DT? not the same? How is that not the same? Because diehard fans or just general fans understand the importance of Candace Parker and Sylvie Fowles. But how is that not just an obvious mainstream top of mind comparison for Sylvia and, and Candace? Because it's all there. All the, like all of the storyline is a there. thousand percent there. It's been there and you don't see it even. You, you don't see there's the effort that has been put there is absolutely minimal, if at all. Whereas again, Sue and DT are, you know, they're the ones who, uh, you know, goat talk and they've got, they've got, they get paired together so much. And I get that they were college teammates, but these were college rivals. This really is a magic bird type of situation. And we have missed an opportunity. As a, as an organization of the WNBA, there has been an opportunity missed here with Candace and Sylvia Fowles. Like, major I, opportunity yeah. missed. And I have to say, like, um, a lot of people, and it's funny because even when a lot of people talk about Candace's college run, and you're talking to someone who spent way too much time studying Candace's college run. Sure. About a year ago. Um, people tend to talk a lot about Tennessee UConn during that time, and they had really good uh, bouts and she's that player that Gino never really got a handle on and Tennessee kind of overpowered that Tennessee LSU was electric every single time they touched the court together every yes. whether it's in a tournament whether it was in a conference tournament whether it was regular season it was absolute pandemonium those teams were so extremely well matched LSU seemed to always have a way to face up against them they had conference tournament wins against them and then they would pair up in the final four and just create magical moments uh, together. And and it was these two players leading that charge. So it's more than just, oh, they played in the same conference. They were against each other. I mean, they legitimately, I mean, you're talking about heavyweight main event bout level face-offs in college. And then you fast forward a handful of years and there's a three-year stretch where Lynx and Sparks was one of the best Playoff yes. rivalries in sports. And I mean that. I mean, I know this is happening while the Cavs Warriors run. I mean, you can find your own comparison for what you think is, is big, but that was one of the best pro team rivalries in sports because they would, every time they faced off in the finals, it was always something special. It was always something worth watching. And it, like, that's what's insane to me. It's like the story's there. Then Candace leaves LA. She goes to Sylvia's former team and wins a championship that's that Sylvia wasn't able to pull off and yeah. had a chance and, and, and beat and, and beat, beat Minnesota. Sylvia faced yes. yeah, she beat yeah. Minnesota but on she, the way to the championship. Beat Minnesota on the way to the championship and beat the team and the player that Sylvia couldn't beat in the finals when she was in Chicago. Yes. Because Chicago that year faced Phoenix as well. DT, probably the best shot of her career was in that finals. So there's a, like the narratives. It's insane how these two players have created dozens of narratives. It's insane. Like the more you break it down, you're like, holy crap. 
this is like, this is a storyteller's feast of so many like things that they put together when these two get linked. And it just feels kind of like there's like from fans. I think there's definite respect and love and discussion. Sure. But that front line topic of like, this should be as big of a deal. Cause I honestly think, unfortunately, if you were to base it off of the media, you have Sue and you have Syl and there's, there's an A retirement story and there's a B retirement story. Yeah. And this is a part of that, of like, like, like Sue's retiring. So what's DT's role going to be in the retirement or like, what's that moment going to be? And I'm sitting there and then, like you said, you corrected me, but like, we're going to see these two potentially play again. But not but in her Chicago. last game in Chicago. Yes. We have that moment with Candace Parker. Like that should be immortalized. Like these two made each other's careers. And I just, yeah, the more I think about it, the more it frustrates me because I know a lot of people know about it, but like this should be, I think it honestly has footing as being an even bigger rivalry discussion than those two. And that's like, like all love and respect to UConn fans, like who I know are obviously mad at hearing that, but like it's there. I, I, I just really, really wish we could, uh, I wish we had more time to even delineate it down. Cause like, it's interesting how that that's going because I just don't know that we have quite given Sylvia Fowles the amount of flowers she actually deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the fact that she is, one of the best bigs the game has ever seen. Like the, the, the deficit we are giving up with Sylvia Fowles is going to be huge. And for some reason, she's never been slotted with people in that like elite all time player discussion. Those four championships, at least two of the four championships in Minnesota don't happen if she's not on that team. Right. Um, and I like, yeah, I, I'm going to cut myself off because I can continue this, but that's <laughs> as, as, as someone who sees himself as a storyteller, like that's what I enjoy doing just in life. I, I get frustrated when I see like, there's these narratives everywhere. How is this not just common knowledge to the sports fan? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying any of this is, this is not watering down Sue and DT or no, anything like not that. At all. Again, they deserve, yeah. they deserve accolades as much as they get. What, but it's not like we only have room for one great player on player rivalry in the history of the WNBA. Like yes. this, this had space as well. And I, I hope there's a way to make that happen. Like in terms of like the sill Candace rivalry could be its own 30 for 30. There's just a lot going on there. And you know, I, I, it's funny cause I actually saw a take that like, Oh, the reason why Sue bird is so celebrated is because of her longevity Agreed, but also because she's the all-time assist leader. Guess who's the all-time rebounds leader? Rebounds. Sylvie Fowles. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not, it's not again. And I'm so glad you said that at the end is this is not us. We're, we love Bird and DT was literally our introduction to the league. Like our, yeah. our first two games getting into the league were at Phoenix and at C- and at Seattle between Bird and DT and those teams. And that, that's really what it was. How, however, we have missed an opportunity and I hope that we can pick it up the rest of the season for Fowles yeah. and what she has brought to this league and, you know, the, the story that we could have had, you know, up to this point and hopefully moving forward of that reflection of her in Candace 
And just her alone, even if you took Candace Parker, Parker out of the equation, Fowles alone has done so much for this league, so much for Chicago, so much for Minnesota, and so much for women's basketball in general that I feel like is just not getting the attention I think it deserves. So thanks. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that you were able to go off on a rant because, because I've I've had this built up for like a while now and I'm just like, can we, can we talk about this? Can we talk about the fact that it's just not there and it's it's really frustrating. So I'm really glad that yeah, glad we had this discussion. We could obviously keep going on this for a while. <laughs> we've we've already yeah, eaten up these... a lot of uh, of audio real estate here, but I yeah. and I just want to. The only other thing I want to say now, and, and I'll probably bring this up again. I just want to make it clear to whoever's on the National Basketball Hall of Fame committee five years from now, you are allowed to have two women. At a time. As inductees, as players. Yes. So you're allowed to induct Subert and Sylvia Fowles at the same time. I want you to know that's like a thing you're allowed to do. You don't have to have a token woman. So it's just Sue and Sil maybe a future year. You're allowed to have two because yes. they both deserve to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just I, I know for a fact that there are people that are like, well, we got to get, you know, you're like, it's kind of like a lot of years. There's always a, a, a woman on there and some years not even. And it always tends to be delineated down to one. And in your head, you're like, well, Super will end up being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then, like, maybe Sylvia will go the next year. And I'm like, what is wrong with putting both of them? Like, how are they not equally deserving? They're yeah. both they're both four-time champions. Sylvia is a former MVP, a multiple-time defensive player of the year, the all-time rebounder. I, I think the metrics are there. I have to cut myself off. This could go another hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I feel you because I, I, I got, I'm feeling the same thing. Steve, yeah. we've got, uh, we've got some other topics that I know we're going to be hitting, um, in future episodes. I want to just give out a little teaser, a little, a little taste for our listeners. We've got obviously all-star reserves. We're going to be breaking that down a little bit more. These all-star reserves are going to be announced just literally a couple hours from when Steve and I are recording this episode. Our next episode is going to come out in a couple of days. We will break all of that down and talk all star, um, everything. Um, we also are, we want to have, we want to really, we want to have a, a really important discussion because of an athletic article that, uh, Steve actually just sent my way. Um, an interview with, with Paige Beckers about, so many people are talking, well, she could easily declare early. She could come into the league. And there's basically, in, in so many words, it might not be worth it monetarily for her to declare early, which is such an odd thing to consider, you know, uh, Sorry, with the really, past. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Just no, no, please. Um, as of 23 seconds ago, at least on Twitter, Tina Charles to Seattle is official. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, they just put out the announcement. So that's the storm are going to be fun. That was the other story. When that was we were the other story. Yeah. I was like, what's the other story? Tina it was Charles. Tina Charles. Tina Charles. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Tina Charles. We were, yeah, what was, yeah, I'm glad that. We, <laughs> so we, we want to have that discussion about NIL income versus actually becoming a professional athlete and what the income is. And is Paige potentially going to mm-hmm. be making significantly more in NIL? Then she will as a WNBA player and, you know, that she won't be the last or, 
you know, may not even be the yeah. the first as, as there's other players like that. So we want to have that discussion. That's a teaser but for our upcoming episode. I, I, I think the interesting thought, and I'd be intrigued if you have immediate takes on this at home, um, head over on Twitter at WAB Nation Pod. Let us know yes. your overall thoughts of like, how, how do you feel this, this NIL scenario is shifting simply how we're viewing the, college sports experience transitioning into the pro experience, how that's shifting our expectations of what tends to, we, we feel to know happens in history. And now that's shifting how things are played because, right. You know, you're looking at, you're looking at players now that are saying it might be more profitable if I stay for five years, not even just a fourth and not declaring early, but staying as long as I can. And I think the, it makes the discussion really interesting as to how it's shifting things because it's showing to potentially, uh, prove certain behaviors that some people said if this NIL existed wouldn't happen and the opposite's happening, which is really intriguing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that'll, that'll be an interesting discussion for a different time. I can't believe I blanked on the Tina Charles situation, but yeah, she's <laughs> officially a member of the Seattle storm. The Mercury are on a two game win streak since leaving. Um, uh, a two game win streak and a one game Sophie Cunningham sound clip streak. <laughs> Um, and that's been, I mean, I like, here's the, here's the interesting thing. So I know we don't have a ton of time left, but we have a couple minutes. We got yeah, really to hit this. Yeah. We, you and I, well, all of us have talked about how the Phoenix Seattle rivalry has always kind of been an exciting, but somewhat friendly rivalry. And that ties to the soon DT stuff, but also right. there are two teams that have similar ethos that tend to play really well together. Is this finally the moment that the Storm Mercury rivalry becomes like extra spicy? Have we finally reached that that note? I, you have players, you have players yelling "F Tina Charles off mic" in celebration yeah. of a game. I'm intrigued. I'm, obviously, that's that's you know, there's certain emotions that come with a certain player, things like that. Sure, I understand too that it's somewhat legally is talk. But I still find it funny that Phoenix made it a point to say like contract they're divorcing divorce. their contract. That's such an odd. Like, yeah, I don't. I get it that that's becoming like terminology in contracts, but like it's weird. It's very and I feel odd. like that's something you don't go out of your way to do. If like it feels really strange, and obviously these are stories we'll hear at a different the time. The press release alone was is bizarre. <sighs> it was odd. There was I think yeah. there was so much. That was said and not said with the word yep. choices that were used in that press what, release alone. <laughs> perfect way to explain it. It was like, it's not as so I was much reading, what I was they like, said, oh. but also what they left. Like, I'm just going to leave. Like you could just kind of tell there was a holding back there. And yeah. there were certain phrases that came through that I was like, Oh, and then the next line, I'm like, oh, okay, you just left alone. You just left good enough alone. Okay. But all yeah. everybody who has read general press releases could read that and go, there's a lot more to this story. There's a lot more behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then obviously I, the, the Sophie Cunningham reaction and everything for her to go and then sign with Seattle. Man, what an interesting, <laughs> what an interesting and unsuccessful, at least to this point, um, bit of ring chasing this has been. Um, a lot of players in a lot of different leagues do this. Okay. This is not a new phenomenon that Tina Charles is doing to try and go get a championship. And 
for someone who has never won the championship, you it's it's hard to give your entire soul to a game and never win the big one. That that's so tough on a player, and I can't imagine what that's like to have to give your entire life to something and then not ever get it. So I'm not I'm not necessarily a hundred percent against like the whole concept of ring chasing, especially in twilight years when a lot of players will go and they're actually more of like a bench player. They're just part of the team, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but man, it's been unsuccessful for Tina Charles so far. It's been unsuccessful, but also man, I I don't even know if it's like like, roughness left in the, in the, in the path. Yeah. But it's also been just like indicative of luck of, well, right. how did I know when I was going to go to Washington that Deladon and Alicia Clark were going to be at a year? And how did I know that all of the horrible stuff that's happening with Brittany Griner, which she should be yeah. home for yes. Brittany Griner, but like th- that whole situation. And I- I'm looking at the Seattle move and it's one that's just like, I understand Mercedes Russell isn't playing at full health, but other than that, I don't know that Seattle's hard on bigs. I yeah. Like, what's that front court going to look like? Are you putting Gabby on the bench and doing like a three, like a trio of bigs, like a wall out there with with Magbagor and Stewie? Are you trying to talk Tina Charles into coming off the bench because she she's kind of voiced she doesn't love that? Are you are you <laughs> going to penalize Magbagor for being one of the best bigs in the league right now? Like, and I'll say it full on, she's one of the I'd say a top five center in the league right now. Are you gonna? Penalize her performance by benching her. Like, how is this going to fit? Is Genta Lavender going to get minutes? Like, how does this whole situation appear for them? And I think it was also just kind of a situation of, like, I think they got wind that Tina Charles was looking to make a move. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the top tier teams in the league, or at least one of the upper teams in the league that went, Maybe this gives us a shot. Like maybe this is the move that puts us in right. Well, and just there was- that much competitiveness because when you look at the standings for the league, it's not surprising why this move happens for Seattle. Sure, because I think to them it was extremely low risk. They're saying we're sitting right now in fourth. We are a game and a half behind Connecticut. We could squeeze our way up these standings and really play. You know, put us in a competitive situation. And maybe Tina Charles is that answer, but it's just really intriguing. And then on top of that, it's, is, is the narrative we're all assuming true with Tina, right? That she saw the writing on the wall with Phoenix and just said, look, there's, there's one thing I'm trying to do and it's not happening and it's here. Not, so it's not going to just go. Right. Yeah. Is it, was and, it, was it, a, was it as, was it as um, bitter as people are assuming, or was it just like, Hey, you know what? Listen, y'all, I was pretty frank about the reasons I came to Phoenix and it obviously that's not going to be the case this season. So, uh, I'm a head out, you know, like, like I, I think this isn't going to work for us. And, uh, you know, Seattle being toward the top of the standings, but also they only have 10 players on their roster right now and they have yep. the space. They have the ability, like they've got the room to make this work for Tina Charles. And so I think there was only it's a, true. like two or three teams that right out the gate could just immediately sign without having to do some sort of trade 
they they could just sign Charles yeah. and the storm were one of those and they're at the top and not only that but you know you've got this Yukon connection that Charles has with Sue Bird, Bri- Brianna Stewart and Gabby Williams like like there's a little bit of that maybe that helped with that I don't know and again mm-hmm. Seattle's probably like listen we're probably not that top tier but we're right outside of it if we added Tina Charles maybe that's what brings us up to that level that we're seeing teams like Las Vegas and Connecticut and Chicago. Cause they, I feel like those three are kind of like at the top and then Seattle's just, just outside that upper echelon of teams. And maybe this mm-hmm. is what, you know, puts them up there so that they're, that they're in that on that same level as those other teams. So yeah, they, they appear to be knocking on the door and that's where this becomes an interesting discussion. I think my feelings on it is just, I really don't want this to come at the expense of, the load that's being given to Ezzy McGregor because she's yes. been that good. And yes. I just, I really like, I think there's a discussion like this year would be fringe, but next year, especially like if she stays in this direct, you know, we're talking about a perennial all-star in, in McGregor. She's playing extremely well. Yeah. And then it's, and then the other side of that, if you're Seattle, you're seeing the potential writing on the wall of what's going to happen with your roster next year. So is this really just the biggest cut bait situation possible where you're like, we know we're getting our, one of our main players retired. Another may definitely bolt for another team. So if this is like a, a 14 game and playoff rental, we'll take it because like the, the storage might be emptied out anyway. So right. we're just going to, we're going to go for broke here and, and maybe try to do this like, try to give Sue an, an elusive fifth ring and see if we can make that happen. But man, I it's, it's really intriguing. It definitely for me came pretty well out of nowhere. Just, it really seemed like you had uh, a well-oiled crew in Phoenix. And obviously with a lot of the stress that's just going on within the organization, um, you know, based off of, of external factors, that's one thing, but th- th- you look at this and it's interesting to see like, where does this discussion go? And, and obviously how does Phoenix, does Phoenix actually sustain a run with this energy? Right. Cause they turned it into two wins, but how much farther did they take it? They currently sit a, f- a full game out of the eight spot. The dream have sort of regressed um, from where they started. So are they, do they feel pretty strongly? They're still going to be able to catch that because the optics tell you no, but W's are happening. Right. To the point where this last weekend was almost frustrating as a fan. You're like, I've <laughs> seen this movie. I know what the narrative is. Why isn't it happening the way the narrative is supposed to happen? Cause they're pulling in wins. And yeah, it just, it, it's going to make this last stretch of the season all the more intriguing. Right. I agree. Um, man, there's a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for our next episode already. Like, I feel like yeah. I could just keep, I could keep talking about so many of these, uh, so many of these, uh, you know, topics and things. Um, we are going to go ahead and wrap this up, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Yes. Um, we want to see all of you. In playback, come hang out with us, please. We will have a link. Jason is going to link that in the description of the episode. It's getplayback.com slash room slash WNBA Nation. You can just search it. When you get to getplayback.com, search WNBA Nation. We're right there. Anybody who is going to be in Seattle for your last two regular season home games, my wife and I will be traveling out there. 
to come catch the Lynx at the Storm as well as the Aces at the Storm. Um, so if you want to uh, grab some dinner, if you want to come say what's up at the game, make sure you Yo. hit us hit us up uh, either my own personal Twitter at Haywood underscore Kyle or the show's account. I'll I check on there as well at WNBA Nation Pod. Um, you can just reach out to us, however, and I would love to to meet up and and say what's up to some of you listeners out there and some of our our WNBA family. This is uh, our this is my first return to Seattle since we went Steve in our initial introduction to the league um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm very very excited to yeah. to return to uh beautiful seattle and uh we were gonna make sure i hit some salmon chowder so. <sighs> we weren't able to make the the trip work on our end and we're very jealous for almost the salmon chowder alone <laughs> yeah you know ivers for, for sure. that salmon chowder you're gonna be tempted to get the clam chowder get the salmon chowder get the salmon chowder worth every freaking penny and i know i'm gonna get the photos and it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day but we'll make it happen absolutely all right well everybody thank you for listening again uh hit us up with five star reviews on spotify on apple podcasts and uh, we will read those out loud um thanks to our twitch family for hanging out uh shout out to WNBA brooklyn for the first time, uh, first time Twitch viewer here and, and joining us, uh, joining us here. Thank you, as well yes, as yes. everybody else on there, Backdeck Beats and others that are always hanging out with us here on Twitch. But for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Steve Schwartzman, and we got you next time. Yo, I'll see you later.